Winning the bitterness battle. Are you in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14? Uh, let's look at it. Here's what it says. Pursue peace with all people. Now, this is relational right here. This is people. This is not just peace with God. In fact, if you got trouble with people, you got trouble with God. Did you know that? Everybody say, if I got trouble with people, I got trouble with God. In fact, if you go to Matthew 6, when it comes to the, the, the model prayer, if you remember the model prayer, Jesus said, he really, it's the three wins. When you give, or pardon me, when, yeah, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Everybody say, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. So when he's talking about, talking about praying, he then goes, pray this way, and he gives the model prayer. And in the model prayer, you know it says, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. When he finishes the prayer, okay, the only thing he goes back and hits again is the forgiveness issue. He said, you do realize if you don't forgive, you, God can't forgive you. Everybody say, if I don't forgive, God can't forgive. And so, so it's, it's these issues are, are paramount. And, and that's why he said, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now that means have a, have a real experience in his presence in their life. It doesn't mean you're, go, you're not going to go to heaven if you're born again and you die with a little root of bitterness in your heart. It means that your walk with God, uh, uh, the, the presence of God is stifled in your life if you allow uh, issues to begin to come between you and God and you, and you and one another. He said, looking carefully. Everyone say, looking carefully. We'll look at that again in a moment. Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any what? Somebody say root of bitterness. Root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. There is a world of wisdom in, in these things. You need to catch. And by this, many are defiled. Let me tell you something. You've got to get to the root. If you want to deal with the fruit, a lot of people try to deal with the fruit, but they don't go for the root. If you want to get rid of the fruit of your anger and your, and your, and your resentment and your issues, you got to get to the root. And many times, and probably a lot of times, it's the root of bitterness. And it springs up. It can spring up in a hurry uh, and it can grow like a, uh, an out of control cancer. And by it, many people are defiled. How many of you know we're not supposed to defile other people? In fact, that word defiled, we learn it means to stain, not, uh, to die, D-Y-E, not D-I-E, to die with another color. In other words, we're stained and, and our bitterness will stain people and leave a mark on them. Did you know your bitterness can leave a mark on your kids that's hard? It might take uh, counselors and dollars and, 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 and trouble in jail to, for them to awaken to it. And it's many times they don't, they get stained and we, we've got to pull out the root. Everybody say, we've got to get to the root. All right. So that's, that's where we've been. Uh, and, uh, uh, I encourage you if you weren't, uh, 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 uh if you weren't, um, uh, here the last couple of weeks to look at, at the, the, go to the website and, and listen to those, uh, 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 messages. Last week we talked about Joseph. What a great illustration of somebody who guarded his heart against bitterness uh, and uh, uh, who, who just threw it all. How many of you know when your brothers want to kill you and then they throw you in a pit and then they lie, they sell you uh, to the, what is it, the Ishmaelites uh, and they sold them to Egypt. When your brothers sell you off as a slave, how many of you know you would almost think you have a, a, a license from God to be bitter? 
right? If anybody should have been bitter, it should have been Joseph. But he never was bitter. Uh, he didn't drink the he didn't drink the bitter the, the bitter poison. His bitterness didn't come up. And at the end of the story, Genesis fifty, you see where where they are standing. The brothers are are, are yielded to Joseph's. Uh, Joseph could have commanded them to be killed. He could have got vengeance and could have been vindictive. None of that. He, he wept in front of them. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many people alive today. What a guy who kept his heart. He, he did what Hebrews said. He looked carefully. And so look back over these and, and, and let's win the bitterness battle. Uh, and let's let this Hebrews 12, 14 and 17 be made real in our life. Uh, and I think, uh, I don't know what's on your notes there, but Jesus, he tasted the bitter gall, okay, but he did not drink it. You remember on the cross where they gave him the gall, he ta- of course tasted it, but he didn't. And so, uh, and so, uh, he didn't drink. We have a choice and we realized last week that it all comes down to choices in our life. How many of you know it's the choices we make? Jesus chose not to drink the bitter gall. Joseph chose. And living free uh, from the poisonous root of bitterness is a series of righteous choices in our life. And that's where we looked at Joseph. And I would encourage you, if you missed last week, go to the life of Joseph and just go back and go to that message and just look at the great choices he made that guarded his heart and kept him from allowing this root of bitterness to creep up in his life. Everyone say, looking carefully. Uh, hit, hit me a time or two, Ike. So there we go. There you go. Uh, I miss the Jesus Father forgive them. But that's what he did on the cross. Remember, he didn't drink the bitter gall. What did he say? Father, forgive them. And he just refused to be bitter. And, and we've got to make those choices in our, our life. And, and uh, we've looked uh, at Hebrews 12, 15 a number of times. But let me show it to you again one more time. Everyone say, looking carefully. The Greek word here is episkopeo. Everyone say episkopeo. It's where we get the word episkopos, which means overseer. Many times in the New Testament, when you, when you see the word bishop or, or, uh, it's overseer. It's, it's, it's people who uh, have spiritual oversight, uh, of, of the, a particular body. I'm, I am an episkopos. I'm an overseer of a local congregation. Uh, and here we see the writer of Hebrews saying, when he's talking about right relationship with God and right relationship with others, he says, look carefully. In other words, be careful to oversee your own life when it comes to this root of bitterness. You've got to oversee some things. And here's the way I'm going to say it tonight. We've got to take responsibility for what we let in and what we let out, Right? We have to own up to our part. Have you ever met somebody bitter and they're, all they're doing is pointing the finger at their past and other people and they don't take responsibility for their own life and their own bitterness and the part they played or didn't play and they're just eat up by bitterness. You know why? Because they refuse to, to be the overseer of their own life and guard their heart like Joseph did and make right choices and take responsibility. Everybody say it's time to own up and take responsibility. It really is. And so when we look at our own life and gosh, 
you know, some of the people I've been listening to, they just, they believe this root of bitterness is one of the most common, most deadly, poisonous things that, that uh, Christians deal with on a daily basis, especially in the, in the troubled culture that we're in right now with, uh, with all the, the trauma of divorce and separation and all those things. It, it's hard to not come up without a root of bitterness in your life on any level today. So uh, we've been looking at Ephesians uh, 4, verse 31. And I want you to turn there because we're going to do something unique tonight. Uh, Go to Ephesians, uh, and I want to read this um, one verse, and then we're going to take a snapshot of the entire chapter of Ephesians 4 tonight, and I'll tell you uh, kind of how we're going to do that in just a moment. Look what it says in verse 31. Let all bitterness, everybody say bitterness. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, all those things are all wound up in a big tight ball. You do understand that, don't you? You know, you can't, you can't be bitter without having a little of all this. This is the toxic concoction, if you will. Yeah, let all bitterness and, and evil speaking and clamor, wrath, and anger be put away from you with all malice. Now, uh, and so... The, these directives are choices in our life, right? And he says, put it all away. Everybody say, put it all away. Now, let me ask you, uh, I know we've got some in here. Anyone ever had to battle cancer in their body? Okay, Jim did. Uh, anybody else? You know what the goal of the doctors are? And, and Jim, uh, when, you, when you go to the doctor for that checkup, you don't want, you, what you don't want to hear him say is, man, we got nearly all of it. Or it's nearly all dead. Do, do you? You, you, don't, you? You don't want them to say, man, we got 95% of it. You praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. No. Yeah, you don't want to hear that at all. You want to hear, it's, we got it all. Everybody say, we got it all. Now, the reason you want to hear that, because you know that cancer just keeps growing if you don't get it all. If you don't kill it at the root, it just keeps growing, right? It's the same way with the root of bitterness. And that's why we see Paul saying, let all bitterness, man, you, he said, he said, deal with it on every level. Get it all out. Uh, oversee your life. Hey, <clears throat> you know, in fact, uh, you know, once you are diagnosed of ha- having had cancer and even after you're, uh, you know, uh, declared cancer free, you know what they do? They keep a check on you. They keep watching after you. They don't want one little microscopic little bit to come back and keep growing. They want to keep an eye on you. They want to oversee you to make sure that this stuff doesn't come back. That's what Paul is saying here. When he's talking about relationships and getting it all together, that's what he's talking about. And, and, and let me just say, remember Ephesians 4, uh, or Ephesians, the first three chapters are kind of principle. The last three chapters are practice. Man, this is where you put it into practice. You know, you got the principles. We're blessed in every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Then you get to chapter, you know, four, five, and six. But now, now, now we got to where the rubber meets the road. Let all bitterness, everybody say, get it all, Lord. And listen, don't, don't let, you, you just can't let any of it stick in you. You want to get it all out. Because by it, many become defiled. Uh, in fact, he throws in, and we'll look at this tonight in greater detail. He, he said, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. How many of you know what evil speaking is? In fact, the real, in the broadest sense, uh, it's pretty plain. 
but when you look at the Greek here, uh, this evil speaking is, is where we get the word blasphemy. Don't speak blasphemous things. Now, in the context of bitterness, a lot of people are blaming God for their trouble. In fact, what was kind of the root? What did Satan do with Eve? Remember where we began? The beginning of bitterness on planet earth? He planted a root of bitterness in here. God's holding out on you. The reason he doesn't want you to eat this fruit, because he knows if you eat this fruit, you're going to be, you're going to have all this, and he's holding out on you. Oh, really? Huh. Planted a root of bitterness. Why did Satan plant a root of bitterness? He got bitter in heaven. He was a bitter heavenly being who fell from heaven like lightning, the Bible says. And so, uh, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and evil speaking. Now, from the standpoint of evil, evil speaking, how many of you know, out of the abundance of the, the mouth does speak. You know, I was eating, this is not really the context, but I was eating breakfast by myself at the IHOP the other morning over on college. And there's a rougher crew goes to that one that goes to the one down on Dallas. And you just go, you go to there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a rough crew. And man, they've set you in there tight. I'm there by myself. I'm thinking, get me a little senior breakfast here. You know, you, when you're 55, you get special deals and drink my coffee and eat my breakfast. Uh, and, uh, and this crew next to me, man, they were, I mean, just potty mouth. And one side of me wanted to, I was outnumbered, number one. One side of me wanted to say, uh, hey, guys, I'm trying to enjoy my, well, let me say, guys and girls. <laughs> it's not just guys got the potty mouth. Uh, could y'all tone it? I'm just trying. I wanted to. My old night, but Then I said, these people are just lost without Christ. So I sat there and prayed for them. Uh, because, you know what? They got heart issues. And he says, put it away. Everybody say, put it away. Now, I love this phrase. It really, the, 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 the base meaning of put away means to raise the anchor and set sail. Now, get the analogy here. Here's the root of bitterness. What is it? It's got a, it's like a weight and a, and a claw in our heart. Here's what Paul says. Here's what you got to do. You got to get a hold of that deal and you got to lift it up. You got to get it out and let it go and let it just sail away. What a good picture. It's kind of like the scapegoat. You remember the scapegoat in Old Testament? They, they would actually lay hands on the goat and impart the sins of all the people. And then they'd send the goat out into the desert uh, and, and, and let it go. Uh, listen, look at your neighbor. Look at three or four people. I know it may be hard to find it two real close. One or two, just say, come on, let's just let it go. Come on, let's let it go. Lift the anchor on this thing. Let it set sail. Let it go. Get, let, let it go. Let it sail away. You get the picture? By bitterness, I'll never let you come home. I'm lifting the anchor. I'm cutting the rope. Get out of my life. All of you, every bit of it, okay? So, with that in mind, I'm going to go back through Ephesians 4. Now, and I really believe a lot of Ephesians 4 is leading up to some of these some of these therefores. Everybody say therefore. You know, like like when you get to 25, therefore, putting away, it's the same word, lying. Uh, and, and it's directives. Uh, and, and this, uh, when you get down to 31 and 32, uh, it's directives. So, so it's all leading up to some 
action response on our our part because of what Paul's saying. So here's what I'm going to do uh, in the next few moments. Uh, we're going to walk quickly through Ephesians 4, and I'm going to give you some overseer insights to, to, insights to taking responsibility over these issues in your life, okay? And it's kind of like the choices issue, but, but the Word of God here in Ephesians 4, in fact, you, we could go through that the whole book, but uh, let's just do Ephesians. And let me give you some overseer insights, some things that you can do in your life to oversee your life that Paul directs us in this chapter to, to uh, appropriate in our life to really put us at a place where we're always on the lookout not to let bitterness get a grip on our heart. Are you with me? Look at your neighbor, give him another fist bump, say, let's do this together. Let's do this. Here we go. The first one is this, okay? It's walk worthy. Verse 1, look at this. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. See, there's, there, now remember, remember Ephesians, basically, chapter 1, 2, and 3 is principle and, 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 and revelation about who we are in Christ. Chapter 4, 5, and 6 is put it to practice kind of thing. And so there's the therefore. And when you see a therefore, what do you do? You look back to see what the therefore is there for. And so you can go back to the first three uh, chapters and read all about who we are in Christ and our position in Christ and that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places and, and we have an inheritance in the heavenlies and, and uh, on all these wonderful things. We're citizens and, and no longer strangers, but fellow citizens and we're members of the household of God. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God and all these wonderful things and we have purpose and, and destiny and we can and, and he is able verse chapter 3 to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask according to the power that works in him to him be glory in the church hallelujah therefore walk worthy you get the picture and that fires me up that's not even in my notes but but uh, so let me just say, this walk worthy, look what he says, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, the embracing of, of your identity in Christ and your responsibility as a believer goes a long way to guarding your heart. And he said, listen, uh, and, and in this context, man, if you're going to guard your heart, if you're going to oversee your life, you better walk worthy. And here's a way to make sure your character lines up with your calling. There's a lot of people who have great calling and charisma and gifts, but they don't have the character to back it up. And I've seen people, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, ascend into places of leadership and authority that their, that their charisma and their calling and their gifting got them there, but their character couldn't hold them there. And let me just say, character goes a long way when it comes to overseeing your life. Amen. And the reality here, when he's talking to the Ephesians, now, now let me just say, this letter's not written to the deacon board. This letter's not written to the church staff. This letter's not written to the, to, to the young college students who believe they, they got the call to ministry. I love, I have a, Nathan had a friend, uh, in high school, he's a big old boy, uh, and, uh, he's a Baptist to the core, and I love Baptists, but they have this phrase, I surrendered to the call. 
He came over and said, I, he said, Brother Sam, I just want to tell you, I, I, I publicly surrendered to the call. I'm, I'm going into full-time. And I said, it's great. Uh, but listen, this book, this letter, he's not talking to the Bible students who surrendered to the call. He's talking to the body of Christ, for goodness sakes. And so it's a, it's a mindset that you and I have to get. And I tell you, when you get the mind, you know what keeps me about half straight most of the time? The responsibility I have as an overseer, not only of my family, but this church, I think, my goodness gracious, I'm a person of responsibility. I have a calling. I have a destiny. Uh, I have people looking to me. I gotta, I've got, my character has to line up with the call. And here's the thing. We all have the call of God on our life. And when we get the call of God, we realize, man, I've got the call. He said, walk worthy. He, he, in fact, he said, I beseech you. That's a great word that almost is like beg, implore this. If you don't get this, the first three chapters are null and void, you understand, because therefore you got to appropriate chapter one, two, and three are the first part of this letter with some real choices in life. And the first one is your character has to line up with your call. Everybody say walk worthy. In fact, look over. He, he defines it a little bit. I love Paul. He gets right down. Oh, in case you didn't know what I was talking about, let me kind of elaborate here. Look at verse 17 of this same chapter. Therefore, I say, uh, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk. Here it is. As the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling. Now, man, when you get right there, you're in serious trouble. Their past feeling. In other words, their conviction level has been, their conscience has been seared as with a hot iron. They do, you know why some people can do terrible things and laugh at the, while they're doing it? Because because their conscience is absolutely seared, they're, they're blind in their heart, they're past feeling, having given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But look, verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. In other words, listen, this former life, this obvious darkness here, you do not walk that way. Now, that sounds simplistic, but listen, as, as believers, this is not who we are anymore. We've learned a new way of walking. We've learned a new way of talking. We have a new master in town. This, 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 our consciences have been redeemed and our hearts have been made clean and, and, and our eyes have been opened. So for goodness sake, don't walk like the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. Their conscience is seared. Whoo. Everybody say walk worthy. In reality, we're all representatives of God. If you went to 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10, what would you, what would you read? It, you would read, we are ambassadors for Christ. We all have a calling. As, a, as the calling I had as a dad spurred me on to walk worthy of the calling. You know, I've talked to some dads. In fact, I'm counseling some that they just can't get this. You got kids on the ground. You have responsibility. You can't play the fool. You can't go off like the rest of the Gentiles do and expect your kids to catch the call of God for their life. And so, uh, hey, this guards our heart. Walk, everybody say walk worthy. 
Number two, the second thing, overseer insights from Ephesians 4 uh, is not a walk worthy, but love unconditionally. Everyone say unconditionally. Look in verse two here. He says this. Uh, I, uh, let me just hit one and two. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you're called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering. Now, here's the application. Here's the application of walking worthy. It has to do with how we deal with others and our attitudes towards others. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in what? Love. And when and when he when Paul says love here, he's talking about the God kind of love, the agape love, which is which is the sacrificial love, which is the patient and the forbearing, the long suffering and the gentle love, the love that that is as one is hanging from the cross says, "Father, forgive them; they don't know what they're doing." Let me tell you something: you want to guard your heart and oversee your heart from bitterness, embrace God's love more and more each day. Because when people give you a reason, I wish I had a little insight into Joseph's early years. I wish I did. I don't, uh, other than, you know, he grew up in a dysfunctional family where his daddy thought he was the cutest and the best and the brightest. It was dysfunctional. Uh, and the brothers, ha- sick and tired of all of it, and they said, let's kill him. Tell God the animals got him. <laughs> let's do that. What a great idea to do our little brother. Uh, somehow, somehow, he just chose to keep loving God and loving others. And when people give you a, listen, when your spouse, when your family, when your, when your ornery aunt or whoever gives you a reason, or maybe even one who's bitter, let me tell you, let me tell you what's hard to hold up. Bitterness is hard to hold on to when you're loving people more than you or I either deserve. In fact, if you looked in 1 John chapter 4, let me see if I got time here. I, uh, not Probably not. You go to 1 John chapter 4, it, he talks about loving God. If God loves us, we've got to love one another. And how did God love us? He loved us unconditionally, sacrificially. And so over, overseer insight number two, not only walk worthy, but love unconditionally. He said, therefore, man, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. I'm just this huge, man. When, when, when people start spewing their bitterness towards you or the temptation or the tendency for a root of bitterness comes and an opportunity to be unforgiving. You got to let the love of God kick in. They just don't know what they're doing. If they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't be drinking that right there. They wouldn't be drinking that poison. They wouldn't be saying those things. If they knew, if they could take a picture of their kids 20 years from now uh, and see how bitter and angry they are against them, God and everybody else, they wouldn't be drinking that poison. Lord, have mercy on them. Lord, I love them. Help them. They don't know what they're doing. Wow. This Bible stuff's pretty stout. It's good for you. Amen. Number three, oversee your insight on taking responsibility for your life. And it's from verse three. We're not going to have one for every verse, but they hit pretty hard right here in the beginning. And it's keep unity. Look what he says in verse three. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's, that's, that's an effort. It means to make prompt 
and earnest effort. In other words, our responsibility here is not to choose sides. Our responsibility here is to endeavor to make sure there's peace at home. There's peace in the church. We don't take sides. We don't judge. We, we endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's all of our goal. What would happen if the family, all the family members said our goal here is to make, is to keep peace and to keep the unity of the spirit? What would happen? If, there would be no church splits if people put that to the top of the list when it comes to relationships and says, you know what? The bigger thing here is we need to keep loving one another and keep the main thing, the main thing. And don't let, don't, don't, uh, and focus on, on what's right and good. In fact, I don't know the proverb. Somebody could tell me I didn't, I didn't care enough, I guess, to look it up, but there's, there's some things God hates. One of the things God hates those who sow discord among the brethren. And so, think about how this works in the church and in the family to oversee our life and oversee our church. If the church folk all came together in, in heart and mind and said, you know, our biggest goal here is not to be right. Our biggest goal is to be one. Amen. Unity of the Spirit, oneness. Number four, the fourth overseer insight from Ephesians 4, taking responsibility to govern your life and oversee your heart and keep it from bitterness, is to grow steadily. Everyone say grow steadily. Look at verse 11 through 16. I love these verses here, but catch this. God, he's, he, now he's addressing the church, he, and he himself, that is God slash Jesus himself, Gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Catch this. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying, that's the building up, the growth of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect, that means a complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. I'll stop right there. What's he saying? God has put in the church people to help us grow. But if we don't uh, appropriate the provision that God God has given us in pastors, teachers, and the, and the, and the leadership team of your church family, uh, you, you're, going to, you're going to drastically limit your spiritual growth. I learned something from Michael Searles a couple of days ago. He helped me. And he's going to help our church in some ways, and you'll hear more about it later. But he said, you know, Pastor... I, I, I worked in public education. Now, follow me here. And, and here was one of the things they taught us. That you'll, your, your capacity to teach people and them learn something significant, kids especially, they won't learn unless they have a real relationship with you. If they don't have a relationship with you, they're not going to learn. Doesn't mean they run all over you, but if they have a relationship with you, they then respect you and then they'll learn from you. Now, let me just throw this out at you. Stay at home, internet, uh, minded people who just feed on the word of God and feed on teaching from people off the internet do not, they are, they may grow in some ways, but they are not healthy. 
I don't care how many teachers they listen to all day long. They don't have a relationship with one of them. They don't have, they're stay at home. They are, they're isolating themselves from the, from the okios, if that's a, if I can throw a little Greek, the, the family of God that all conspires together for them to grow. And, 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 and man, I'm telling you, <clears throat> the scripture teaches about small pods and groupings of people that in those, in fact, did you know that, that statistically in the church, it doesn't matter how big the church is or small, you're only going to have a certain amount of connections with a certain amount of people and that certain amount of people and those certain amount of connections, God links us all together for the church family to grow steadily. And if we disconnect and plug into the, you know, and get so hung up on on podcasts and, and the latest and greatest, you know what? I, I think I have, I couldn't prove it, but I think I've lost people in this church because they start listening to the greatest and best. Did you know the greatest and best don't ever put their bad sermons on, on, on iTunes or they don't put the bad ones on there. So are you going to get the good ones? You're going to get the sugar sticks and they fall in love and their hearts get pulled away by the internet preaching. I'm not against it. I do it myself, but man, I'm telling you, it does not take the place of the family of faith. You can't grow spiritually listening to people on TV and the internet. Ho! Oh, I said it. I got it off my chest. Woo! You go tell somebody that. <laughs> and all that just kind of bubbled up in me. I guess I've got a little root of bitterness. I may need to deal with it. All right. But no, the, the thing is, put yourself in a place in an environment where you grow spiritually. And, and where you grow spiritually is in the family of faith steady as she goes. That's one of my prayer, one of my prayer things on, on, that I sent out by way of email. We need to pray that our church family catch the priority of consistency in the family of faith. I'm telling you, what does the Bible say in the last days? Uh, that, that we need more and more as these last days approach to be connected with one another. The disconnects, I'm going to tell you, they're going to be scrambling for a support structure. Are you with me? Okay. So it's a, it's a steady growth. I'm going to keep growing. And listen, as long as you're growing spiritually, these roots of bitterness have no place in your life because you're feeding yourself the good Word of God. You're not feeding on bitter roots. You're not feeding on bitter fruits. You're growing spiritually. And people like old Pastor Sam will look you between the old eyeballs and say, come on, get the root out. Get, get to the root. Or you'll never be able to deal with the fruit. Amen. Grow steadily. And number five, and we hit it lightly, oversee your insight to take your responsibility, speak rightly. Begin to, begin to, did you know what you say in a, in a circumstance can either plant a root or prevent a root? Now catch this with me. How you speak in a point, in a moment of conflict or a moment of tension where the opportunity for bitterness to spring up quick. How you speak either prevents or provides a place for bitterness to step into our life. Look what he says in verse 15. He said this, uh, let me see. He says, but speaking the truth in love. 
you may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ Jesus. Let me, everybody say, speak the truth in love. Have you ever had anybody speak the truth not in love? Did you know the Bible says you're not supposed to be doing that? That's not in love. But you speak rightly. Look in verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. If we had time, we'd go over to James and talk about, in fact, what does he say about James? He says, uh, out of your, your mouth proceeds both blessings and cursings. This not ought to be. This is like, this is not the way it should be. Out of your mouth should be blessings and speaking rightly. Whew. It's, it many times, most of the time, how we respond with our mouth determines the direction of, of how things are going. Are you with me? Even people who are trained in, in psychology with even whether it's, you know, crime prevention or talking people off the cliff or out of the hostages and all those kind of things, they learn that if you say it wrong, you're going to get the, right, the wrong fruit. But if you say it right, you're liable to get the right fruit. In fact, let me see if I can remember what, when it comes to the tongue, Morris, uh, Robert Morris says, there are those who speak before they think. I don't know if that's you. If it's you, shame on you and us. Then there are those who speak while they think. Now follow me. They're, they're talking and trying to figure out what to say, but they're talking, and, and that's dangerous. And then there are those who think before they speak. That's a good thing to do. But he said, so you, the first two are, are dangerous for sure. The next one, that's where you want to fall. He said, but wait, there's a fourth category. There's some people who just speak, they just never think. <laughs> they just talk. They don't think, they just talk. Uh, uh, and, and when it comes to communicate, especially in these points of conflict, and hey, think. In fact, what does he say? Uh, you, you know, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Think through this. Deal with it. Work with it. Okay. So, grow steadily. Speak rightly. Number six, wrapped up in there, oversee your insight to guarding our hearts and keeping the root of bitterness out of life. Serve faithfully. Everybody say, serve faithfully. Serve faithfully. Look in verse 16. It says this. From after you speak the truth in love, you may grow up in all things into him as the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, see that, by which every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every, pardon me, every part does its share causes what? Growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so, so in this thing called the family of faith, which by the way, is God's protective hedge over our life. 
Did you realize that? Your faithful commitment to God and His church and church family is like a protective hedge over your life. Uh, you know, just go to, go. what did James find? Confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, he talks about, you know, being uh, accountable to each other. And so we get in the middle of that environment and we serve faithfully and everybody's blessed. You're blessed. The family's blessed. We're all blessed. We're all growing. We're all benefiting. You know, I've actually heard people in church that get bitter because they're serving in church. What is up with that? I've been working in this. I can't nobody come shake my. I've, I've walked down the aisle uh, with thinking about what I'm going to preach that morning. Forget to shake somebody's hand. And they go, I'm preaching and shake. Going, my Lord have mercy. Why don't you hush and go pass the offering or something and get that off your chest and, and love somebody for goodness sake and serve God faithfully. It's therapeutic to the soul. And there's nothing better than just serving somebody with no expectation of return. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a healing balm and a guarding in our heart. Amen. Every part is important. If you look to 1 Corinthians 12, the illustration of the body, the hand can't say to the eye, you get it all. Picture, we all need one another. And, and we, uh, you know, this independent mindset, stay at home, search the internet, and, 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 you know, Google. I, I, I'm a Googler, but let me tell you something. Google's not my pastor. And the internet's not, internet's not my church. Robert Morris is not my pastor. I listen to these some of these guys, but uh, hey, listen, my church family's right here. This is where this is where I grow. This is where where I blossom. This is where uh, where I'm I'm guarded and protected, and <coughs> is the family of faith. Amen. Whoo! And then number seven, oversee your insight, taking responsibility of your life. Everybody say renew daily. Look in verse twenty three. Uh, you know, the, a few verses there, he's talking about putting off, uh, and we talked about walking worthy. But look at verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, this is huge. Renew means to renovate. Beverly and I, well, let me back up. I, Beverly's my cheerleader at this point, begun a renovation of, a, of our rent property in Lumberton. Uh I don't know if it's true or not, but she says the dust gets to her. So she goes in there and goes, hachoo, hachoo. Oh, this dust. I must flee this place. Uh, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. But I've been busting sheetrock. I've been busting up tile. We're renovating some things. And it's, and it's demo day. Anybody watch Fixer Upper? Chip is a liar. He's a liar because he says, I just love demo day. Woo, demo day. Shows him. But let me tell you something about his demo day. He, hit, he throws a few punches and then his old buddy Shorty takes over. Well, I've learned something. Demo day turns into demo days and weeks and Shorty ain't showed up yet. But I'm renewing. And, and so now here's the process. Follow me. The renewal, the renovation requires the, the removal of old things and then the replacement of new things. 
In fact, this whole, that's what you'll, if we had time, you get back right above it. Put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, let me just tell you, every day, look at your neighbor and say, every day. Every day, the things clog up in your system and in your brain. Every day. You get out there somewhere, and every day something's hammering your brain. Some bad thought, some, some anger thought, some issue, some bitter thought, uh, and, and, and it just gets under your skin. And so every day, listen, if you want to keep your heart right, you every day, you renew yourself and your mind and you wash your brains with the Word of God and get that stuff out, rub-a-dub-dub, it's good for your, uh, for your life. And let the Word of God, the Bible says, wash over your system, get that stuff. What Paul say in Romans 12 too, be renewed. Renewed, uh, he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. That means renewed into something completely new. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the way you think, for goodness sake. And my goodness, when it comes to bitterness, the way we think and what we allow in our system sets up residence. Before you know it, bitter roots are grabbing your brain and you'll have what Paul the apostle called a stronghold in your mind. Let me tell you about strongholds just a second. It's not in my notes, but let me tell you something. A root of bitterness is a stronghold, and it makes you believe things that aren't true. I've told you about this when I was counseling a lady one time, middle-aged lady having trouble with her husband and just trouble, and, and, and he was trying to, I mean, I couldn't quite get it. I didn't understand, and man, she just all uptight and, 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 and fearful and, and angry. And I said, I, you know, explain to me. She said, all men are cheaters. And I, pardon me. What did you say? All men are cheaters. I said, ma'am, you have believed a lie. Because this man's not a cheater. And you've got a stronghold in your brain. That's why you can't get along. That's why you've divorced everybody you've ever gotten. Because you have a belief about them before you ever said yes to them. You believe they're going to cheat on you. You didn't trust them. You couldn't do that. And and, and let me just tell you something, man. If you're going to get that out, you might as well call it quits with this one. Because, listen, all men aren't cheaters. And and, and this poor guy, he ain't got a chance. If you don't get that stuff out of your head right quick, you hear me. I didn't talk quite that bad. I was a little better. but, But listen, come on now. Are you with me? Who believed a lie? And so it'll make you believe that bitter, bitter stuff will make you believe things that aren't true. So you got to renew daily. Uh, and then number eight, uh, dress accordingly. Now, let me explain this. Verse 24. Look at this. He says, after he said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which was created according to God and in true righteousness and holiness. Let me tell you something. You, you, you've heard the phrase dress for success. There's some things you put in your life, you add into your life. Uh, it's like you're putting on a new garment. I'm going to get up this morning. I'm not going put on that old mindset. I'm putting on a new mindset. This morning I'm getting up. I'm not putting on those old bitter, those bitter uh, rags and that nasty stuff that they tried to spew off at me at work. I'm putting on the righteousness of God. I'm putting on the armor of God. I'm putting on the cloak of righteousness. I'm righteous, not in my own goodness, but because of what he's given me. He's given me his righteousness. I'm, I'm dressing accordingly and I'm going to not, allow, I'm not going to allow things to invade my world. I'm Dressing for spiritual success. 
Just a thought. And then number nine, overseer insight, taking responsibility and guarding your heart from the root of bitterness. Guard continually. Look at verse 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Let me explain that just in old Pastor Sam's country folk kind of way. We're all human, right? When people do things that are irritating, anger is a natural response. To think it's spiritual to go, well, bless your heart, you just cussed me right out. I really appreciate that. That's not, that's, that's not. But what's he saying here? When anger comes, don't let it take root in your life. If you react, you are a party to this thing. Guard your heart. Be angry and do not sin. And don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, when these things come, deal with them. As a pastor, I've had to do that. I've hear, I, you know, you hear things. Uh, you know what people, when they want to tell the pastor something but they're afraid to? They tell somebody who they know probably will. Uh, that's called gossip, by the way. Uh, it's not a method of communication, but it's just gossip. But that'll come around. I'll hear things, you know, so-and-so's this, that, and the other. And boy, something in me just... And I, no, oh, wait a second. I'm going to call so-and-so because I'm not going to let this thing brew in me 30 seconds more. I've been sitting down counseling people, and they say, well, you know old, old Josh now, he's... You know how he really is, and 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 he's and they start gossiping, and I said, "Well, wait, 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 wait! I've actually done this. Wait a minute! In the day of now, that cell phone. Now, are you talking about Josh Trevino? Yes, jo- okay, Josh Trevino. This is not a real illustration, by the way. It's just an illustration. Oh, okay. So you're saying Josh Trevino is the, the yeah uh, yeah that's what I'm saying. Well, let me just call Josh because I know him. And I just can't hardly believe that. So maybe we can all three get together and we can deal with this and not let the sun go down on our anger. Hello, Josh. Boy, I'll tell you, that goes real. The people don't like that. They'll get real antsy. When you start bringing into play the biblical precedent of, hey, we're not going to let this brew. We're not going to let this set up resident. We're not going to drink the poison. Okay? Guard your heart. Don't let the sun go down. Uh... Uh, on your wrath, in verse 27, nor give place to the devil. Everybody say that. Nor give place to the devil. That means an opportunity. When it comes to relationships and your heart and bitterness, it's one of the it's one of the biggest inroads for the devil in your life. You want to, you want to, you want the devil to invade your world. Then just let bitterness grab a hold of you. Bitterness and anger, relational schisms. The devil comes in. He does. He does. 
So you got to guard continually. That's why Proverbs, I love Proverbs 4.23. Uh, I don't know what different translations are, but one says guard your heart with all diligence. Uh, I think New King James says keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. In other words, man, this heart thing, uh, you've just got to realize, you've got to take responsibility, you've got to oversee what you let in and let out. That's why, you know, in, in your computers, there's all this software that, that keeps the... The, de- the devil out of your computer. Anybody the devil ever got in your computer? Man, I'm telling you, in the early years when the little viruses and things were just coming along, I don't know. I still don't know much about computers. We had one computer up there, and, and, and if it, one day I started trying to click on an icon, and I had my little arrow, and all the icons started running from the arrow. And everywhere I go, all the icons go, they're running from the arrow and I call my computer guy there's a devil in my computer somebody's little funny bug Uh, so now there's all this software protection triple you know deluxe keep the devil out of your computer uh, and guard it with uh, with your life because people come steal they can kill they can destroy and they can hold your computer hostage and all those things and that's the way our heart is. There's a world of things out there. And then number 10, and I'll, let's see, it's a good time to close. And then we have a word from Aaron Grider. Uh, forgive completely. Everybody say completely. Verse 32, after he says, let all this stuff, lift up the anchor of all this stuff and let it sail away. Don't let it hold you down and keep you from the destiny of God for your life and be kind to one another. Ten, you know what the Scripture says? A soft answer does what? Turns away wrath. You want me to just throw you, I'm very limited on my psychological skills. But let me tell you about people who get irritated and they want to tell you all about it. 90% of the time this is what I'll do. I understand what you're saying. I hear you. I'm hearing what you're saying. And, I, and, and if I were you, I'd probably feel the same way. I just got on their side and I said, but let me tell you the bigger picture. Hey, I understand. I feel you. If I were you, I'd probably feel the same way. But let me help you with the bigger picture. And, and it's a soft answer. Turns away wrath. And, and, he, and he, in this forgiving completely, he said, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. And here's the kicker. That's why it's completely. Even as God in Christ forgave you. Did God kind of forgive you? Did God completely for, did Jesus, did they completely forgive you? Did they, you know, and, and I kind of began this a few weeks ago by going, you know, there's a lot of people, I'll forgive you, brother, but I sure ain't going to forget it. That's not forgiveness. That's fake. That's false. That's a pseudo get you off my back. Think I got it dealt with. But no, the root of bitterness is still hooked in my brain kind of statement. I'll forgive you, brother. But hey, they're going to have to forgive me. They're going to have to step. No. How many of you know as, as, as lost people... God didn't look down and say, okay, y'all straighten up and I'll forgive you. 
He died for us. And we, we have to forgive completely. And, and that get, takes me to, to where I mentioned earlier, and we're going to close, Matthew 6, where Jesus said, when you pray, and this is the consistency factor here about guarding your heart. When you pray, pray this way. In other words, in your prayers, you need to always cover your sins. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, what, what Jesus said, don't expect me to forgive you any more than you forgive others. And then he goes back at the end and says, no, by the way, if you don't, you, I won't. So you've got to forgive completely. And that's a process. And, and how many of you know, let me just say, let me ask this question. You, don't, you can lift your hand if you want. How many of you have been so hurt in your life at times and, and places in your life that it took you a long time for that stuff to wash out of your system? And how many of you, even if you can say it's out of my system, if I ask you three key uh, push-button questions, it rises right back up in your system? <laughs> Doesn't mean you haven't forgiven completely if it can rise back up. It means you're in the process of... of, of when, when you can see the person and when you can interact with the person... And none of those things rise up in you anymore. And mercy and grace are at the forefront of your heart. You've walked through it pretty good. You're at the pretty close to the Jesus place. Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. And that's a process. And you've got to keep the process going. And, and, if, and if you're dealing with it every day, Hey, it's forgive completely. That means every day when you pray, Lord, I just choose to forgive this person. I choose to forgive this company. I choose to forgive that whoever. I release them. I love them. Bless them. It's hard, it's hard to uh, be angry and bitter against people you're praying for and you're blessing. Amen. Remember what Joseph did with his brothers? He blessed them. Not only with his words, but with his stuff. He threw a party for him. Amen.